<laughs> welcome. Welcome. Oh, man. So that's the first time I've heard the full, you know, the intro where you're pulling it out. And I love that you can just hear. <laughs> and then it's. <laughs> Well, welcome. Welcome. I guess instead of saying King Me, we go Flanagan. <laughs> That's going to be our new, <laughs> our new little welcome noise. Flanagan. Yeah, Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> Just really choke your throat as you say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to what a, a series about the films of Mike Flanagan, who's yeah. basically Stephen King, but uh, more Catholic. In a series we are calling the Flanosphere. The Flanosphere. The Flanosphere, like, which is a play on the Manosphere. Which the is, Andrew Tate thing that Dan is a, a big member of. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Frequent trips to Romania for me. Uh, I love that the I, I love that Andrew Tate's whole thing is like I am like a like a bad guy like a criminal, you know? <laughs> and I have I to live in like Romania. That's where like my home base is, you know, because of all my uh, my uh, views my and sex crimes. <laughs> yeah, all of my what right. have you? What, yeah. yeah um, I, you know, I know shockingly little about Andrew Tate. That seems like the kind of thing I'd want to arm myself with information about. Before you attach yourself to like the flanosphere manosphere thing. Sure. (laughs) Well, it's just like, I mean, it's like and twins, right? We do. Yeah. yeah. We, we can get away with these things because we are such little cutie pies. (laughs) Right. We're we're a couple of. uh, It's like when a little kid wears dad's suit. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Everyone we're, knows. we're a couple of beta cucks poisoned by the woke mind virus. That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> My condition is critical. Uh, Rob and Dan here. That's us. We just want you to know that even though it's not King Me, well, it's the Flanosphere, a King Me production. Yeah, I think I think moving forward, it's all just going to be a King Me production, and then we'll throw some names. At different series and whatever we do. Of course, of course. And listen, when, you know, when Corn Kids 15 drops, we'll be there to do an app about it. Yeah. Wherever you see a cop beating a guy, we'll be there. <laughs> Wherever. We will? Wait, yeah. we'll be there we'll when be that there. happens? <laughs> oh, no. Helping the cop, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, wherever wherever okay. there's a, a corn kid in a field, we'll be there. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Where wherever there's a doll made of corn husks, we'll mm. be there. Wherever yeah. there's, um, what's even one other thing? Wherever there's a, uh, uh, maybe like a a haunted wherever, telephone or like a <laughs> wherever virtual virtual reality has bled into the real world. Yeah. Wherever there's a monkey with a VR headset, we'll be there. <laughs> Whenever, wherever there's uh, Pierce Brosnan touching a tree and then throwing up, <laughs> you remember that yeah. from Bag of Bones? Bag of the Bones. Yeah, Bag I do remember bones. that. Yeah, that that's one of the funniest things. That's like, 
uh, I can't wait till I'm dying and my <laughs> life is flashing before my eyes. You see that. <laughs> and I get to see that a few times because I will go back and I pulled a clip of it somewhere. So I'll just go and look at it from time to time. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, your brain, your uh, your your brain is flooding with with DMT, and that's that's mm. what you see. <laughs> I'd rather have my. Uh, is there a way instead of my brain flooding with DMT to have it flood with DLA? <laughs> what is DLA? Doctor Larry Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, pretty obvious. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. We graduated, and now all we can talk about are the glory days of high school. That's true. I'm still wearing my Letterman's jacket. Yeah, but we're we're done. We're done with high school. It's off to the seminary. That's right. We are going to uh, Mike Flanagan's house of horrors and Mike Flanagan's house of holy horrors. Mm. Uh, this one not so holy. The ca- the Catholicism is it's there. There is some. It, yeah. There's a there's a touch of touch of the big C. But <laughs> big C <laughs> touch of the big C yeah. as it'll come to be known. the big C or the lowercase T uh, lowercase T. Yeah. What is that? Like the crucifix. Oh, 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 look, right, right, right. RIP. <laughs> of course. Never forget. Rest, rest in power. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> rest in piss. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so we're kind of like, we're leaving a, we're leaving a few things off, it seems. With what? What do you mean? Well, we've got some like student film and some stuff we're not watching that come before Absentia. What? What? Like short films and whatnot? Yeah, The Ghosts of Hamilton Street, Still Life, Make Believe, The Firefighter Combat Challenge. Oh, I guess The Ghosts of Hamilton Street is a feature, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a student film. We can we can come back to it if we could find that that that, that their movie. It's an award winning student film. All though, right. According, well, according to a plot summary on IMDb.com. Well, yeah. Okay. Anybody <laughs> else curious to see what segments we come up with on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this guy. He's just making a ton of student films. How long was this guy in school? Good lord. <laughs> A while. Yeah. Probably four years, right? That's that's about how long it takes. <laughs> wow. So we're t- we're gonna be talking about the films and assorted mini series of Mike Flanagan. Um, starting with this one, uh, this week with Absentia. Absentia. Um, Mike Flanagan, uh, one of our faves. We love him. Uh, we love to watch his Stephen King adaptations. He usually does. Uh, he, he he cares, man. The guy cares. Cares quite a bit. He does. Cares quite a bit. And then like uh, the miniseries is, which I think you've only seen Midnight Mass at this point, correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Which those, I mean, the minis are, I haven't seen Midnight. Uh, I've seen Midnight Mass, obviously, but uh, the Midnight, Midnight Club, Club I have not seen. But the that other ones is- are very good. Midnight Club is sort of like a YA kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But from what I understand. But also, like, I don't know. I remember when it came out, people were a little, like, lukewarm on it. Uh, maybe because it was YA. It wasn't going as hard as the other, like, haunted stories that he was telling. But also, like, 
I don't know. By the time we get to it, it might all it might be like might be pretty good. Expectations are low, you know. Sure. Might, it's going to be hard not to compare it against certain other Netflix series, YA Netflix series we've watched on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, I think it can only exceed expectations I, at I, that point. I would have to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't do a cold open, which I think is controversial and it should be discussed. Yeah. Um in in so far as to say I had a really good idea for this one. Oh, did you? Where it was going to be that I declared you legally dead after you were 10 minutes late to the recording <laughs> session. <laughs> oh, that is a really good one. Yeah, but where do we go from there, you know? Right. <laughs> we're not really yes and guys. We're more like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, guys. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, absentia. I, I always I do want to say it with that uh, suspiria kind of voice. Ab- absentia. absentia. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Even delicious though, to yeah. say, isn't it? It is. Yeah, the movie is not that though in tone. Um, so, uh, <laughs> don't you don't think? I don't think so. Okay. Um. Yeah. Damn. The title the or the tagline for this one is there are fates worse than death. Mm. Do you agree? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, like Being alive? <laughs> well, that for one. Example, yeah. Surviving? Right, yeah, right off the top of my head. Uh, be, <laughs> being alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's clearly yeah. worse. <laughs> being alive and then uh, your husband coming back and being like, oh, sorry. Yeah, That's sorry. I was gone. Yeah, I was sorry getting, I messed up all of your plans. Yeah. I was getting kissed by a giant silverfish. <laughs> yeah, I was. That's <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Dan, we watched this movie, mm-hmm. written and directed, produced, edited by Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, who, um, before he's making films, really, yeah. like professionally. I believe he's like editing reality series, right? That's what that firefighter thing I just mentioned was. Oh, really? I believe so. Yeah. He's mentioned in interviews that he worked as like a, um, as an editor on various crappy, uh, what would you call it? Yeah. Like Like, he worked on million dollar listings. I'm seeing here. Yeah. A TLC special called the ladies of demolition derby. (laughs) Well, that sounds Um, awesome. Right. (laughs) The last thing he does before he sort of becomes Mike Flanagan, like starts making his own movies, uh-huh. uh, edits one episode of the TV Land original series Hot in Cleveland, starring Betty White, Valerie Bertinelli. Bertinelli, I mean. <laughs> Bertinelli is uh, the the quality of being Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> oh, wow. Jane Leaves? Jane Leaves. And Wendy Malick. It, honestly, completely fucking stacked. Carl Reiner is in eight episodes Georgia of this show. Engel? Oh, man. The Mad Scott himself, Craig Ferguson, gets oh, seven episodes. Fucking John Mahoney is in this. Holy shit, is this John so Lovitz? Good? I mean, how hard is it to book John Lovitz for four episodes or something? Sure. <laughs> <Probably> not. <laughs> but yeah. Wait, um, wait a second. I'm kind of cu- Wait yeah. a second. I'm sorry, Dan. This show has a hundred and 
130 episodes, 129 yeah. episodes. What is yeah. this? It's a, a TV <laughs> land original. It's basically like squatting in an abandoned building. Like <laughs> no one's checking. Unreal. Yeah. Um, th- this is, uh, the, wow. This is very strange. Um, yeah. I remember when you, TV are we going to do a yeah. should we watch his episode of hot in Cleveland? The one that he that he that he edited. That he yeah. edited. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, kind of feeling like we ought to. I, I only I I grew up knowing TV land as the channel that only played reruns of very old shows. Yes, right? that is where I learned everything I know about Gilligan's Island. Yes. Um, the Brady Bunch. Right. Hogan's Heroes. Um, Hogan's Heroes. That guy who would end up jerking off on a couch with Willem Dafoe. Um, Hogan did that? Oh, uh, yeah. Bob Crane. He was. He was, Yeah, that, that movie, Autofocus, a Paul Schrader movie. He, oh. That's all about Bob Crane. in a movie. Okay. No, no. That's, it's his real life. Um, yeah. Wait, they, they so, were jerk off buddies? So, uh, Autofocus is a. Uh, biopic about Bob Crane. Bob Crane played the, you know, Hogan from Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Um, back in like the, I don't know, 50s, 60s, whatever. Mm. He got a bunch of like, he was a, like a porn addict, which back then you had to really fucking work for that. Yeah. Um, People call themselves a porn addict now, but it's like saying you're like addicted to weed. It's like, no, it's just really easy to get. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm addicted to Cool Ranch Doritos. Exactly. Actually, um, and then like the whole autofocus is, is a lot <laughs> about um, uh, his sexual sort of uh, uh, picadillos and whatnot. Mm. He, and him and his buddy, they would watch these like porno movies and jerk off on the couch next to each other his friend played by Willem Dafoe and then uh, and then he died he was murdered in like this awful like very gory sort of uh, <laughs> uh, really terrible that's uh, not funny uh, yeah. <laughs> it, to be clear it's not funny that he died horribly yeah yeah it is funny to be to be like so there he is <laughs> jerking off with off. Willem, <laughs> yeah. Willem Dafoe smash cut to his gory death <laughs> it does sort of there's like an implied causation there yeah. that i don't i don't really su- support i mean we have talked about paul schrader movies on this maybe we should do like a, a little schrader uh, thing later on uh, yeah later that schrader. one we gotta call jerk off buddies though <laughs> of course that's <laughs> right <laughs> so we sat down on the couch and watched the movie. Yeah, I, so I'm jerking off to the movie Autofocus, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's meta. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do, oh, so t- yeah, TV Land, and then uh, that show. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh man, what, what was that show? Uh, younger, right? Uh, do you know I that don't one? Know that one now. Uh, younger. But please tell me you weren't jerking off to whatever that is. <laughs> younger is a show about a woman who is like forty, but she looks much younger, and then she gets a job for, at a like what, like twenty five? Yeah. And Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and is okay. It's stay with me here. This is this is also based on uh, so a reverse Benjamin Button, basically. Yeah. So she's I'm twenty five, <laughs> but I'm a lot older. <laughs> Vice versa. I'm 40, but I look a lot younger. <laughs> right. Um, 
No, and she gets hired at a publishing company to be sort of like the voice of younger people and like to do like to go do experience these younger things. It it ran it's another one. It ran for like seven or eight seasons. It's very popular. Hillary Duff is on the show. Big big fucking to do. Oh, this is like a recent thing? Yeah, I mean... What a contrived premise. But the premise is based on a real story. The main character, this woman, actually did this. She And was, she, she passed for... for Yeah, for like a... For younger? 22-year-old person or whatever when she was like 10 or 15 years older. I see. Yeah. And then there's all kinds of hijinks. Um, people... Does Hillary Duff play the younger... <laughs> the younger, the lead, no, the lead younger. No, no, she plays friend of younger. <laughs> oh, she's older. Yeah, yeah, she's a bit older. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all of this to say, TV land. What happened? Anyway, um, I guess you can't make a ton of money when your channel is just based on old TV shows. Yeah, when your your target demographic is dying and dying and <laughs> yeah, dying. literally dying off. there's no reinforcements coming <laughs> except uh, for i i don't know based on i'm just using you and me as the sample size here but there's one weird kid every uh, <laughs> every 25 <laughs> miles <laughs> one weird kid in the 25 mile radius he's watching yeah. it's like I gotta learn more about this uh, Bob Crane Hogan's hero guy. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> I learned too much. Oh god, Hogan's hero. Yeah, Hogan's hero. He's hogging it. Oh yeah. He's, hey, you're a couch hog. <laughs> couch hog, Bob. Yeah, a whole different definition. Uh, definition. <laughs> Fuck off. That's all right. Ah, it's That's terrible. all right. It's all good. I um, think. All right. Well, before our conversation about this week's film becomes absentia from this episode. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about it. Yeah, what do you yeah. say? No, that's a good idea. So independent film made for like $70,000. I think I read made for like $70. This feels yeah. <laughs> very, I mean, it, it feels, we talked about it like very briefly, how it feels like, uh, like a student film or you're like, you know, it's, not even low budget. That's like micro budget. Totally. Uh, um, and it is like that thing where like a movie starts and you're like, oh, this there's like a I don't know if it's like the lighting or just like the color correction or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you're immediately like this is a an amateur. Yeah. Ish. A more amateur movie. Well, yes. Yeah. I think one of the big things, so this movie came out in 2011, and I think the big sort of tell there is that it looks like it was shot on digital video. Looks like, you know, uh, almost like not quite a camcorder, but like a step up from that. But, yep. you know, technology has come so far in the meantime. And, you know, yeah. so you can shoot a movie on a damn iPhone and have it be tangerine. Exactly. Yeah. You could be Steven Soderbergh and shoot a movie on an iPhone. Uh, you could be all of uh, Disney live action movies and shoot it on like whatever fucking digital camera they're using mm. and make it look like a, a like the Hubble telescope camera. Yeah. 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 And make you, you know, you could shoot everything in a warehouse, make it look like shit. And, and then people fucking <laughs> gobble it right up. 
Um, yeah, but there's no arguing with the fact that it costs $40 billion to produce. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. if they didn't shoot it in a warehouse? <laughs> like, It's so funny that they're just like, well, it's cheaper to uh, put it through 5,000 layers of post-production right. than to just go drive like an hour west of LA and just like stand in the desert and pretend you're on the desert planet. Yeah. <laughs> I know the, uh, like the set of a Marvel movie now is very similar to like a porno set where it's just like, it's a big like studio warehouse with different sort of sets, a doctor's office, a regular <laughs> office or right. whatever. <laughs> and you're just, you know, after 5,000 layers of special effects and rendering and rendering, uh, you're left with uh, the fucking quantum mania. Yeah. <laughs> you rent out your Airbnb and the tenants start moving in that giant, like, psych- digital cyclorama that, like, projects <laughs> yeah. whatever planet onto it. Oh, boy. That thing's cool, huh? It's all very cool. We're using the technology the way that it was intended. It's mm. nice. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. could do anything right now, and this is what yep. we choose. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So this is not that. This is a this. I mean, speaking of pornography, if you didn't know any better, you'd think you were watching a porno until until there was no sex. Yeah, yeah it looked, and then you see a pregnant woman, you're like, oh, the porno happened nine months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. All right, have it. Oh, we got uh, it. We're late. Yeah, we're, we're late. We, we, we have got late. to start recording sooner. <laughs> um, the yeah. So that's one thing off the because you're more versed in the the flanosphere than I am. The Flanagan oeuvre. Yeah, I mean, I oeuvre again. Yeah, like I said, I watched most of the miniseries. Um, uh, not so much on his movies though. I haven't seen. Uh, I've only seen the recent ones, the the King ones, really, for the show. The Doctor yeah. Sleep, Gerald's Game. But I haven't seen uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. I haven't seen Before I Wake, Hush, Oculus. None of these. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. So this is a learning journey that will go on together, undoubtedly. Of course. Of course. Indubitably, even. Um, man, 2016 so, uh, was a big year for him, huh? <laughs> he re- released three movies that year. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. I yeah. could do that. No, I mean, we could all do that. I just Did don't you? want to. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I I would love to do that, but I have to I have to do the podcast. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm very busy. Yeah, I'm too busy. right did, now. Did you watching this movie get that thing where you're like, oh, man, I would love to make a movie like it's. The uh, seam for me, the seams were showing enough that I was like, I'd love to just get freaking five of my friends together. Yeah. No, like, I, I think I told this sort of movie is definitely one of those where you're like, I could do this. Like, you know, I not that it's bad or that you're like, oh, this is a piece of shit. I could do this way better or something. But mm-hmm. it just it sort of makes the the idea possible in your head for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um. So one thing I do want to talk about. Yeah. And we'll maybe we'll do. I forget the words to the Flanagan trope song, and I swore to God I would go track them down. Oh, um, is it a uh, Flanagan, Flanagan has tropes too. too? But then what? I don't know. Something 
my thought was it was something with okay um okay I, well, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll we'll, it we'll out. figure it out. But one Flanagan trope, like right off the bat, yeah, and I address, I we we've we've addressed it a little bit already. Pregnant women, <laughs> is this going to be a thing with this guy? Because I'm not <laughs> prepared for that at all. I don't need that. All right. Well, first off, let's not kink shame anyone if they're really into pregos. Um, but who who else is pregnant, Dan? Name at least one other character from a Flanagan uh, project. Uh, Katie Siegel's character in Midnight Mass, who's sort of like an amalgam of Callie and Trisha. Oh yeah, and then and and act in his real life wife, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, and in this one, darling, you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, <laughs> I guess I'm Mike Flanagan. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, maybe he just likes women with like big round bellies. That could be his thing. I don't. Okay, you don't think so? You you sound pretty stoked on it. So, <laughs> hope yeah, hopefully that's it, Rob. Maybe it's not that weird to be into pregnant women, Dan. <laughs> we don't need to litigate that on this program. That's a different show, right? Oh, maybe the maybe just, the man, maybe the flanosphere is what he calls the bellies of the women he impregnates. That's troubling to think about. I'm just uh, I'm just hogging the couch to uh, pregnant women. <laughs> hogging the couch. <laughs> All right, this is already wildly off the vile. Yeah, the way we've the way we've regressed. 100 percent yeah Yeah. it's like like yeah we're starting over completely uh ha 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 how many snells do you give this one no this is advanced this is advanced filth i gotta say (laughs) it is is advanced filth yeah we've come a long way to absolutely we've we've cut our teeth on snells and and pigs and (laughs) now we're hogging couches Uh, we're hogging couches (laughs) Couple of couch hogs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So absentia. Yes. The story of Trisha. Uh, one pregnant a, woman named Trisha. Now that is one pregnant woman. <laughs> uh Trisha. She's pregnant. She lives in Glendale, I'm told. And she, when we meet her, her husband, Daniel, has been missing for seven years. Ah. This guy's well, wait a second, though, Dan. Mm-hmm. This doesn't add up. He's been missing for seven years, and she's pregnant. Now, babies don't Some gestate for seven bloomers. years, do they? Okay. <laughs> are you body shaming this woman for being pregnant for seven straight years? <laughs> um, um, I One thing I'll say, by the way, yeah. with this hmm. and the detective character who I'm assuming knocked her up. Oh yeah, I think that's, we know. We yeah, yeah. it's. I'm assuming it because he says it. Yeah, he says that. Um, I like Mike. I like Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. and his willingness to sort of just like have the love interest be kind of like a piece of shit, <laughs> right? Like the detective guy. Yeah, he's like ob- he's like pretty obnoxious, but like she loves him, and it doesn't like as the like as the viewer, you don't really have to root for that guy. No, I don't think you have you know, to root for that guy. I don't know if he's a piece of shit, though. I didn't see him as a piece of shit. 
I mean, he's doing his job as a cop. What? <laughs> I mean, the, I don't know. Like the way he's interrogating people, he's like the way he treated them. Very disrespectful. Very disrespectful. <laughs> very rude. Very Not a good guy. <laughs> bad guy. Bad on Bad guy. Uh, yeah. I think he's just kind of a dickhead. And well, yeah. In the way that like, I don't know. He's very pushy, I guess. And, um, but I think also within the the realm of this story, um, he could have been a lot worse. I think maybe that's nice. what I'm gauging it off of. Is that like, you know, he didn't he doesn't end up becoming like the villain or something like no that. no you know no, what no. I mean? nothing nothing like that. But that's that's what I'm saying is like I like that like I kind of like that everybody's like pretty unremarkable. No one's like especially good. Yeah. Or. Um, hyper charming you know like all of these are like very flawed people exactly yeah like i don't know callie's like a little bit like a little bit quirky girl but like not in like a way that's like particularly compelling or that you're like i love her no i know yeah (laughs) she's she's got her little quirks like doing heroin (laughs) yeah she's a goofy gal yeah she, she likes to goof around with a needle um and uh Jeez. Even even our main character, Trisha, who is like, uh, you know, her husband disappeared seven years ago. She's pregnant. She's obviously got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, she isn't even that like uh, likable, I'll say, you know. No. And furthermore, she's like like with the she's like corny with the meditation stuff. I like the, the willingness to just like let someone do something corny because it's like. Sure. It rings. It's corny in a way that rings really true where you're like, Uh, like the ringing of a song bowl, like the ringing of a song bowl. Now, what's a song bowl for anyone who doesn't know? That's that metal bowl that she like Mm. clangs and you could like, it's got the stick and you could do that thing around it. Song bowl. That's what I call Eurovision. It's basically the song song bowl. bowl. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that movie, that Eurovision movie with Will Ferrell? Yeah, I did. It was pretty good. It was well, a lot of fun. It, it was actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it was like not very funny, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's kind of, it was just kind of like a nice time. It was, I think it came out in like 2020, and like anything that was just sort of pleasant and innocuous was a welcome change. Absolutely, <laughs> of pace. absolutely. Yeah. Also, um, God, what's his name? Um, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Holy shit. I know. It's so, I mean, it's funny that we're uh, talking Eurovision right now. The other day, I was like, what? I look Mike Flanagan podcast. <laughs> that is funny. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I looked up that, uh, that like singing montage that they do at the party or whatever, where like everybody yeah. jo- joins in. And and I'm it's sure like, it's a bunch it's of people that share, won. right? It's, it's share. It's uh, Madonna. It's like a bunch of different oh. songs that are ABBA is in there. A, They're all a medley, if you will. It is a medley, but it, it's medley all. I think it's all by people who actually won Eurovision. But uh, oh, really? That's yeah. Fun. They're like you know real singers. What is like? What was the financial incentive to make a, vision, a Eurovision movie? I wonder. Must have been huge. I mean. <laughs> I wonder how that movie did overseas because like our country is like one of the only ones that doesn't participate in it. (laughs) Yeah. I get the, honestly, I feel like if you're European and you watch that, you're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) sure. This is dumb Americans. This is, this is again, little kids putting on their parents clothes. (laughs) 
little bit. Yeah. Um, it's like, I could just see that being like very, yeah. Just being like, it's like, a, it's a pretty broad caricature, I think. Oh yeah, of course. So, so yeah. I, but in, in our defense as, as, uh, slobbish Americans, mm. Being Scandinavian is funny. It's weird. <laughs> They're not like us at all. It's I, so cold. I, I am Dutch. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, that's that's the more the lowlands, but uh, sure. Um, I don't even know. Swedish Chef is that what they sound like? Who, who? You're going to Eurovision. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, you hear this? Oh yeah, cat oh, fight. Yeah, is that what's going on? Yeah, the baby the baby cat likes to play, and the bigger cat is completely brain dead, and she gets scared so easily. <laughs> Nothing bad's happening to her; she just doesn't like it. Absentia. Absentia. What is absentia? Absentia. I'm actually so fucking glad you asked because I got this one locked and loaded. Absentia is when. Your husband is gone for seven years, and then you get to declare him legally dead. When, yes. If someone's been gone for seven years, you are considered dead in absentia, provided you fill out all the paperwork. And that was also something I liked about this movie is like how much of it dealt with paperwork, how much of it dealt with paperwork, because like, you know, d- d- look, we're going to be. We're going to have to talk about how sometimes grief can be the monster Um, because that is like one. I appreciate this, too. That is only one aspect of what's happening here. Yeah. But the way that sort of like, um, you know, the you like keep reliving this this absence every mm-hmm. time you have to fill out paperwork or like talk to the detective or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like later on when, after Daniel disappears the second time mm-hmm. and the detective is like you have to fill out a missing persons form and yeah. it's like ah! <laughs> 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 the man and just like there I really I feel pretty good about how he minds this premise. Like even the like the decision not to call his parents when they're on the plane because it's like, what's going to happen? They're going to get a fucking voicemail when they land. Like right, yeah, you know, like, like actually, that's, just don't even bother taking the taxi yeah. over here. Just hop back on the plane. <laughs> yeah, right. Like no, yeah. just it. It's yeah, it's played pretty real. Um. So yes, her. Uh, Trisha's husband or husband or husband. Yes. Husband Daniel Mm. has been gone for seven years. Now, in my experience, when a character in a movie named Daniel is missing, it's usually because they are dressed as an old lady nannying their own children (laughs) to circumvent the terms of a custody arrangement. Right. The whole time. Did you also think that's where this was going the whole time? The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so she, um, her sister, Callie, her younger sister yeah. comes to stay with her. Um, it's sort of like established that like the whole saga of Daniel's disappearance is like winding down. She's, she's putting up flyers and Callie sees them mm. and it's played as this moment where like Trisha's like kind of embarrassed 
right? Because it's been like, so I don't long. Know. Like, yeah. She's like, I think she's like, I just had more. These are the last of the ones I printed. Right. I guess seven years ago, she got like thousands of them. And she's like, and I figure we could do like a little cleansing ritual. And at a point in the film, she burns one. Mm. Um, I do want to jump in here real quick. The actress who plays Callie mm -hmm. is a Flanagan regular. That's right. Katie Parker, who uh, she was in, uh, she's been in a bunch of his projects, but um, she was in Dr. Sleep, which we already discussed. Um, she played one of the, um, uh, one of the caravan, like the, the steam breathers. Mm, one of the, uh, the rusted roots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> played, who provide yeah. the, anti yeah, the antagonist. She was silent. Sari. Yes. <laughs> That's her character name. That's it. That was her name. Uh, she also played Annabelle Lee in the most recent Flanagan, the fall of the house of Usher. Damn. Okay. So, and, so, and Poppy Hill in the haunting of Hill house. Yeah. I, so I like, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about the other Flanagan movies, but just, I really appreciate the fact that not only like does this guy, uh, it I think it says a lot about a person that all of these people want to continue to work with him. Mm. You know, yeah, and he's platforming just these uh, up and comers like Doug Jones. Yeah, Doug Jones, this Doug Jones guy. Yeah, um, he's got some yeah. of an unusual look. <laughs> Let's throw some prosthetics on this fucker. Yeah. yeah, just sort of poking around on the cast IMDb. It seems like. Basically, everybody comes back for Oculus, yeah. which is fun. Oculus is the um, next one after this. And it does seem like, yeah, he brings everybody back. They start to drop off after that. Uh, Hollywood Mike Flanagan. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hollywood Mike. Shot. Hollywood Mike uh, starts forgetting where he came from. Glendale. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Trisha, Trisha shows up yes. with a baby book mm -hmm. for the baby. Right. The and Three Billy Goats Gruff. Right. And you know what that story is about? I do. I, I, I mean, like, I, I know it's like about, you know, Billy Goats crossing a bridge. And I think there's like some sort of a troll toll involved. <laughs> there is a troll toll. That's yeah. right. Yeah. There's like an evil troll guarding the bridge. Mm -hmm. um, Answer me. These riddles three, that kind of shit. Quite possibly. Could be. Um, do, do you think this is in any way has anything to do with the plot of the film? Is this maybe why she draws the tunnel on the cover of the book and writes, like, go to the tunnel on the book? I, I Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Probably a little something to do with that, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's really not like elaborated on it's just sort of like uh hey you ever notice how these two things are similar yeah you ever um, notice how this movie is similar to this book that i brought up i get i guess like the one of the flaws i think of this movie um which i think this is also like a tendency of of the mf himself yeah this motherfucker it, this mother, this motherfucker yeah. um is to sort of over explain uh, characters' motivations and the subtext of the yes. stories he's telling. Uh huh. Um, and we do get one of those in here, right? Where like Callie, you know, uh, starts piecing things together and then gets into this whole thing about how different cultures all have their versions of these myths where people are snatched, 
taken away, disappeared. Yeah. And it's like, you could have just given her the book and we would have gotten it. It, it sort of like opens up that whole line of thinking. But Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I appreciate about watching somebody's entire filmography like in chronological order, right? Whenever I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to watch, you know, a specific director, I have a hard time not starting at the beginning. Because you see the evolution of the storyteller, right? Sure. And especially if they have, you know, if they've made a decent amount of movies, um, you know, the, he, the person has more room to grow and expand. And, like, you could really see, like, hopefully, at least by the end of it, there's, you know, the, the person might be trying to tell the same story, but in a more uh, advanced, controlled sort of way you know right where yeah, this um this feels like somebody's first movie even though it's not his first movie per se but it feels like a it, it, honestly i was watching this and i was like this sort of feels to me like dark star not in any of its tone or anything yeah, like that no i know what that, you like, mean yeah it's low budget and it's trying to it is trying to like get at something you know um and how it it's sort of a precursor. It's like it has seeds of things that are going to come up like later on in, in the guy's work, you know? Yeah. You know, what's interesting though is like, I mean, again, comparing this to something like midnight mass, which was written as a novel and then adapted accordingly. The thing that I found, well, I guess Gerald's game is pretty restrained in that way too. I was going to say like this, like absentia is, it's pretty tight, right? It's a 90 minute run. Yeah. I actually think it could be five to 10 minutes shorter sure, and be yeah. a better movie. I think, um, so too. but in general, it, I did just kind of feel like, yeah, like there is, it felt like pretty expertly restrained for something this like early on where it's like you get just enough. There's the only time, like you, you get just enough in, in terms of like what, what, like the implied horror of this whole situation. Sure. And it's like incredibly open-ended, which is like so refreshing in terms of, you know, just like the things we always complain about with like horror being in an out, like so many horror movies now being like analogies instead of metaphors where mm. this is like, it's just like, it's in the title, right? It's just like the idea of people leaving and like what that, and like the horror of that and, and how far you can go in your head with with like that at that empty space that negative space sure yeah um the dark matter as oh, as Callie points out the dark matter yes yeah, so mm. uh plot 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah plot 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 um right so Callie uh Callie uh Pulling a bit of a absentia herself, she, um, you know, she she like she was living out of her car for a little while. It seems like she was driving across country, in um, and out of various rehabs. Yes, um, she has a uh, addiction problem. She's got a she's chasing the dragon. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like uh, I did like the little detail where Trish is like they're you know they're just like catching up or whatever. And Trish is like, I forget what city she says, like Louisville or something. She's like, that was the good clinic, right? Like that was the one you liked, <laughs> yeah. right? And just sort of like, 
I don't know. There's just something about that kind of detail where it's like that. That to me says so much about like the relationship here where like they have the cutesy patter, which itself like I think without those details that give you like the sense of of distance and like the gaps in chronology or whatever, like you're just hearing a little bit here and there where like, oh, when I talked to you, then you said it was good. Right. (laughs) Right. You called me from the rehab and said that one was good. Right. Like, And that's what I. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it's like when they do like the cutesy pattern, they're doing bits or whatever, you know, there's some like that is like the level they connect on because they've been distant as adults. And it's just like easy to do little little bits. Right. I also think that's a pretty uh, slick way to, uh, you know, to sort of explain where Callie has been without, without being like. Oh my God! My I can't believe I'm seeing my sister after she's been in and out of rehabs for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah. When they and it, do that shit I, in movies, or you're like, nobody ever talks like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, there was one line where Callie calls Trisha's sister, and I was like, "Don't do that," because yeah, yeah. then in the next line, she reference she's like, she says something about mom, like she just right. says mom. It'd be funny if she said our shared mother, <laughs> right? But, you know um, how our mom gets, <laughs> <laughs> our mom that we have together. Yeah, um, but yeah, like apart from like tiny, tiny little gripes like that, like yeah, I think the exposition is handled really nicely throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's basically there to help, uh, Trisha with sort of like the final steps of like closing the book on Daniel's disappearance, right? Getting the death certificate, getting her a new apartment, uh, helping her pack all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I did like that little bit where Trisha's like, I forget what she's holding, but she's just kind of like, you know, we see, uh, Callie just like packing books, like just real Mm. quick. Mm-hmm. moving moving at a clip right and then she goes into trisha's bedroom and just sees her there sitting staring at something with like sentimental value and trisha's like i just i can't do it and yeah she's like doesn't have to happen tonight that's okay yep yeah um so absent <laughs> right so once uh, let's talk about the little Catholicism that is in this movie. When mm. they go to bed, uh, Callie has a, a cross that she hangs up on the uh, wall over her bed. And like before going to sleep, like she also has like a lunchbox, I guess, full of drug paraphernalia that like at first she's like she opens it up and then she like hides it away. And then she like says her prayers and before mm-hmm. going to bed later on, she uh, she does spike a vein and yes get now i think uh probably worth noting due to the obvious intention Mm. um the cross is above her bed Mm -hmm. and the drug paraphernalia is underneath her bed Uh, i don't understand oh rob (laughs) oh they keep saying that word they keep saying it um but yeah there's like there, yes, yes. So one of the things that the the monster is is also drug addiction. Yeah, yeah. I know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> you hate that. 
I just don't love it. But I, I don't love it I'll, because it's been like all of this stuff, like the grief, monsters, drug addiction, all that kind of stuff has just been so. I, I know. I just think it's so much more tasteful here because it's like instead of being any one of those things, it like the monster is just the thing that 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 gets you. Yeah. Right. Like, sure. Doug Jones's character is like. That's Callie's first like heads up like this could be you. Yeah. So, you know, Callie goes for a run um, down the street from where uh, uh, Trisha lives. Sorry, I got to interrupt. Callie goes for a run in the strangest pants I've ever seen. Go on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I I thought the same thing. (laughs) Never seen anything like that before and probably won't after. Yeah. Um, So Trish lives like down the street from this. uh, I guess it's like a a tunnel under a highway. Um, And like it's just like this concrete sort of tunnel. There's like graffiti in it, whatever. It's not anything. But Callie goes running and she runs like, you know, through the tunnel, through the other side, yada, yada. And when she's coming back, um, Doug Jones is like laid out on the ground, like blocking her way. So yeah. she, uh, you know, she's like, oh, man, like, she, you know, and she like slowly crosses past him and and he wakes up and, and he's like, uh, uh, and, and she's like, uh, I'm sorry, like, I'm just like walking past whatever. And he's like, wait, you can see me. And and he starts talking crazy. And she's like, I, yeah, he's I'll, like, I'll, he's I don't saying have anything things on me, but like, I'll bring you food and whatever. Yeah. He says, he says, like, you can see me. It must be sleeping. Mm. And then he like takes a pocket watch. He's like, oh, trade me. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like, no, nah, I don't. I don't have anything. And he's like, you got to trade me. Please trade me. And then he's like, uh, what's his son's name again? Mm. He says. Well, yeah. Well, his son, um, who Jamie. It, Jamie, played by Mike Jamie. Flanagan's... Ja- Jamie! <laughs> Mike Flanagan's, I'm going to say, sibling. His sibling. Thank yes. you. Yes. Um, uh, Jamie Flanagan, who is non-binary, uh, looks like they go by he, they, she, um, who is... It's also uh, uh, worth noting that uh, Jamie is Mike's writing partner on a lot yep. of his projects. Yep. Um, Bly Manor, House of Usher, Midnight yeah. Club, Midnight Mass, Story Editor. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Doug Jones plays a character named Walter Lambert, and uh, Jamie Flanagan plays Jamie Lambert. Mm-hmm. Um, and we come to find out that Walter has been missing for some time, and... Uh, uh, nobody has seen him. I think since the nineties. Is that what they say? It, it must be because Jamie is like a grown up, a grown up, and um, yes. So and has been like they refer to Jamie as a kid. Yeah, talking to the police about Walter's disappearance. Right. So, um, right. Doug Jones is like. Or Walter is like, you know, trade me. And she's like, I, I don't have anything like and she just she's like, I'll bring food. I'll bring food. And then later on, she does. She like drops off like a Tupperware of just food like outside the tunnel entrance um, and sees Jamie at that point, who we don't know yet is yeah. Jamie, um, but 
someone with a garbage bag um, comes up and is just like, oh, you shouldn't leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, and she's basically, basically, all he really says is like, just don't. Do, I wouldn't do it. Right. Um, what's in that bag, Dan? We find out later. <laughs> yeah. So we, we're also hearing about um, like like break-ins in the neighborhood, right? Like um, pets the, going missing. Yeah. The detective, the detective who uh, has been working on Daniel's disappearance um, has to like keep reminding Trish to like keep the door locked or whatever. Cause like there've been a bunch of break-ins in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Pets going missing, uh, jewelry going missing. Yeah. And, um, it's a dog. There's a dog in the bag. There's a dog in the bag. The, the dog and the dog d- is, uh, food. <laughs> yeah. Um, the dog is food for Daniel. Dan. Yeah. Sorry to say, <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, Callie, there's um, what is it? it's like a pile of keys or whatever that are left on the doorstep. It's like there's keys, a pocket watch. It's just like shiny stuff that's yeah. not particularly valuable, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, <laughs> they uh, like Callie and Trisha are. It seems like they're in a good place, and like Trisha is like, you know, they're like moving on from things or whatever. And then Callie has the same pile of objects that are in her bed. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that it immediately just cuts to like police in the, the you know, in the yeah. townhouse or a or whatever. And I really think the strength of this movie more than anything else is the editing. I think it's very well edited. I agree. I mean, he yeah. cut, it, cut his teeth on hot in Cleveland. That's right. Um, a show known for its editing. Um, (laughs) So, all right. So as all this is happening, yeah. At the same time, Callie is having hallucinations of Daniel. Yeah. uh, Dreams and sort of Trisha is not Callie. Oh, Trisha, my bad. Um, and what she, the first one got me good. I got to say where he's like, cause I knew the premise of the movie. I knew that he comes back. Uh huh. And I do think it's pretty smart writing to to like present it, present everything in this order where it's like people are going to if people know anything about this, they're going to know that basic premise that like a man who's been missing for seven years comes home. Right. So to see him in the living room or whatever mm-hmm. and then oh, it's it's good. It's so simple and yeah, so yeah. well done. But she sees him just like standing at the opposite end of the room, like facing the window and she walks up to him and he's facing away from her. She goes to put her hand on his shoulder and the way it's cut, it's like a shot of her reaching out to him. Yeah. And then it cuts back to him from the neck down and she puts her hand on his shoulder and then the shot pulls up and he's facing her. Yeah. Right. It's a very clever little editing trick. Yeah. Um, and he's got like no eyes and a big gaping mouth. It's very scary. Yeah, and then stuff. and then like she when she backs up, uh, she backs up into him. Yes, he, he appears like behind her, and then he like wraps her like yeah. in his arms. Also loved that that wasn't him. Like he's not yeah. supernatural or anything. It's right. like that is just her sort of like guilt 
grief yeah. trauma around his disappearance. The right. go it's just the ghost of him in like a in like the I guess most like realistic sense where it's just like this thing in her head. Yeah. Um and sort of throughout uh up until his return like when if when she's signing the death certificate or whatever, she sees that vision of him like standing over the shoulder of the woman, mm-hmm. um, you know, who like hand, the bureaucrat or whatever who's in charge of the death certificate. And there's stuff like that throughout. Like there's a scene where she's meditating in her what'd you call it a song bowl? Yeah, I think it's a song bowl or singing bowl. Yeah. Um, but he's like standing over her shoulder for that, and we see her like sort of deep breathe her way through it Mm -hmm. and he disappears she gives like a tiny little smirk like i did it Uh uh-huh yeah and then immediately feels bad about it like a this all just this is all face acting yeah yeah it's It's good stuff it is um so the detective let's talk about him a little bit detective Um, big boy yeah detective mallory who is a big boy yeah, Dave Levine. Yeah, he. Um, so the character, uh, he's he's the detective that was assigned to Daniel's missing persons case, right? And uh, it becomes very clear very soon that there is something going on between between this detective and Trisha. Mm. Maybe he is daddy. Maybe probably. I'm thinking he's daddy. I like. I did like the part where. Um, I think Callie comes back from her run and Trisha is in the living room talking to uh, the detective and they're, they're talking about whatever. And she's like, you know, uh, she introduces a detective to Callie and, and he's like, Oh, I've heard a lot about you, but like Callie knows what that means, yeah. <laughs> you know? And she's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but so after the all the keys and trinkets and stuff are left in Callie's bed, um, he the detective is there and he's like, um, so he's sort of getting like a little aggressive and just being like, I like I've told you a million times you have to lock this door. You should move out of this neighborhood. This neighborhood is dangerous. I, and then like he slips for a second. He's like, you could come live with me. Or it's something like that. Yeah. And and everybody in the room just sort of like uh, freezes. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to not say that. Yeah. You forgot. To, oh, no. You, you said the thing that nobody should say. <laughs> um, so yeah. we got we got that going on. Um, we briefly meet her therapist who I'm, I'm glad that wasn't a bigger part of the movie. Frankly, yeah. we get just as much as we need to in the therapist's office. It is like. It feels like the point of that is to just be like, therapy is not working. Right. <laughs> yeah. For this lady in this situation. So Callie is out on a run and she sees a apartment that has uh, like a vacancy or whatever. And so she, she gets Trisha. They look at the apartment. It's nice. They're going to move. And like, that is the plan. And then like the detective and everything, like, you know, it comes out, whatever that, to you know, Callie, whatever she figures it out, or you know, it's I don't know if it's set out now, but that the detective is the the father of the child, and 
you know, uh, Trisha and the detective have sort of been seeing each other or whatever. And Trisha does feel guilty about it, but also it's been fucking seven years. And what it's are you going to do? Time. Here? It's on. a long time. So everything seems to be going really well, which. <laughs> You know what that means. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, as well as it can be going under the circumstances. Yeah, it, you know, uh, when your your husband goes missing seven years ago, mm. and you know he's never coming back, and you've already filed all the paperwork for the death certificate from absentia. Yes. And yes, yes, yes. just as that paperwork is notarized, who comes walking down the street but Daniel? Looking a bit worse for wear, I'm going to yeah, say. He, yeah. he looks like shit. Not to he, body shame him, but he looks like he's been dead for seven years. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is sort of dressed. He does look like he just climbed out of a grave a bit. <laughs> yeah. And we don't quite know, but seems like that's basically what happened. Yeah. Um, the way they sort of like play this out too, I thought it was very clever, you know, playing on the whole, like the, the visions of Daniel as this like ghost. Mm. And then, um, yeah, Trisha sort of like sees him. Yeah. The real one. And yes. just like does her like deep breathing exercise. And is like, right. you're not real. Yeah, yeah. Squeezes Mallory's hand. And then Mallory's and then, like, whoa. Yeah. In <laughs> Mallory, Mallory is also wearing like wraparound glasses, which yeah, I just. Of course. Yeah, of course. course. <laughs> and his leather jacket. Yeah. Um, so so yes. Daniel goes to the hospital. Same sort of thing as with Walter. He's like, you can see me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was where he says, you can see me. He says, then he says, they fly now. <laughs> and the doctor says they fly now. I thought that was weird. Yeah, you you liked that part though, right? You were big, you <laughs> famously, know, yeah. Famously, they fly yeah. now. <laughs> uh, so I, I, well, and then there's the part where uh, Jamie Flanagan gives the pocket watch to the, he puts the pocket watch in the tunnel and says, "Now this is bug trading, mm. like pod racing." Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, Daniel has returned. He's in the hospital. Um, they're asking him, they're like, where the fuck have you been? And he's like, underneath. He, you know, he's just being, uh, he's, mm. he's talking crazy talk here. Yeah. Uh, he's not making any damn sense. Um, he said, they're like, where have you been? He says, I've been up dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the doctor's like, all right, let me just write that down. And what is up dog? And he says, I told you, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, and then, so Daniel come, you know, they bring Daniel home and he is just like, like a shell of a person, like, you know, doesn't know how to uh, exist. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's like, I just want to sleep. He's crying a lot. He's hiding in the corner. At yeah. one point, yeah, because the bug is back, stuff. but we don't know that yet, right? Um, yeah, and then so the, I think it's like the first night that Daniel is actually home. Um, Mallory, Detective Mallory, comes by, and um, oh yeah, this is what right. I mean. He's not doing. This is a bad job that he does here. Well, yeah, no, it's a bad. I mean, 
from a work perspective, it's a bad thing. But he's, you know, he cares about this woman. He's trying to. Of course, to, of course. There's you know, an emotional truth. She's carrying his child. Um, fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You just, you just hate that he's a cop. You just hate the fuzz so much. That's right. I'm. <laughs> That's why they, I mean, they don't call me El Bandito for nothing. <laughs> I was actually, uh, Emma came over the other day and we were hanging out and we're, she was ter- like, we were just talking about like, uh, TV shows we were watching. And she was like, I was watching Reno 911. And I'm like, ah, it, it, like, sh- this is how you're saying it. Like, she's like, ah, I, it's like very funny. And I know that it's, you know, copaganda, but it is funny. I don't know what to, you know, how to, how to square that you know basically but they're buffoons of course yeah it's all good yeah well that's what i said i'm like yeah i'm not gonna stop watching movies where you know cops are the good guys i know they're not i know this is fiction (laughs) here's emma if you're listening to this and i know you are don't worry about it they're buffoons yeah just they're being buffoons who cares but I think, I think just the fact that Detective Mallory is a cop and he's he's let this get personal is yeah. Well, I mean, it's classic cop behavior to scream at someone who's just been through hell. Right? <laughs> yeah, when he starts yelling at Daniel, like, "Listen, buddy, like you showed up with signs of abuse and you've been gone for seven years and yeah. you've been you." You're wearing the same clothes from seven years ago. Like, yeah, this is also where they there. He's like, um, well, his, his sort of thing here is, yeah, he's like, you've been you're wearing the clothes you wear when you left. You have your wallet still. Yeah. And this is also consistent with like when they're talking about the break ins, they're like, they didn't take anything of value. It's just like mm-hmm. stuff like trinkets. Um, and he's like, he's also like, and we got the results back about the contents of your stomach. You're full of dead dogs. He <laughs> said, well, he says like you got animal bones in you. Someone was feeding you. Yeah. And it's like, all of this sounds like horrible, horrible, horrible. And all Mallory can do is be like, what aren't you telling us? Yeah. What are you telling us? It's funny. Like both of the detectives in this are so unbearable. We haven't even talked about what's his name, Lonergan. Yeah. Oh Who, my god. I. I mean, I, he's such he, like a asshole. It's such a good performance. That's. I. I thought. I'm like. I. I kind of feel like that guy did the. May have done the best job in the movie. The like the way he's chewing his gum and it seems like less like the acting choice seems like that guy is like, this is my thing. I'm the gum chewer. Yeah. I'm the yeah. gum chewing detective. Yeah. That's yeah. You, you've heard of gum shoe. Yeah. Now this is the, gum chew. <laughs> the way he's like fast talking and acting like he's hyper competent, even though he's not helpful basically at all. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's I just, mean, yeah. Very, uh, yeah. It, and he's right in the hospital scene. He's wearing the detective badge, like a necklace, which seems yeah. like yeah. something you do if you're playing a cop, basically. You're right. Like yeah. whenever it's on that, like on the, that like chain, that like ball, the dog tag chain, the dog. Exactly. The yes. dog tag chain. And I've only ever seen cops wear in movies when 
but when they are like you know they they're breaking into an apartment and right like, it's like they wear that to like draw attention to their well-defined pecs exactly which like <laughs> not a shot against this guy he does not have those so it just reads different but it does all feel like part of a performance of like uh, i'm the fucking guy here like yes. he calls all the women like miss and ma'am and shit and it's just like you are just being you love this. You're loving every second of this. He loves it. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Daniel comes home and he's all weird, he right? He came home and he's weird now. <laughs> and um, uh, he, Trish and him are sleeping in the bed and she, she wakes up and she leaves and she goes downstairs and she meets up with Detective Mallory, who is... Yeah, they they go into like the parking garage of the the apartment and they have this conversation in the car where it's like I don't know, he's trying to I don't know, he the way that he's presenting it, he's like, "Listen, I get it that you're this guy came back after 7 years and whatever, but he's not the same guy." Yeah. Like obviously, he's not the same as he was before, but I am. So like, you know, uh, I I I don't know like what you want to do here and how you know how long this is gonna take and whatever. But uh, I am here and I want to be with you. And she's like, you know, she's in a bit of a pickle here. You know, mm. um, just like uh, Rick Sanchez. He's a bit. Of, yeah, she's a bit of a pickle, Rick. Hilarious and uh, yeah, uh, Ricky Moore, you haven't watched any of the new season, right? Because you don't agree with their decision the way to that they got rid of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no one else can burp <laughs> as good uh, as he can. Yeah, he's the best um, at burping. Yeah, uh, I I don't believe it anymore. When he goes brap, <laughs> no one else can do hilarious. That. Yeah. Um. No, and then so uh, while this is all happening, though, um, inside the house, uh, Daniel wakes up. Um, Callie is in her room uh, shooting up heroin, um, and uh, I think like she does she nod off, and then when she wakes up, he's like there. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and he just starts like again it, what sounds like crazy talk, but he's just like. Uh, talking about like a creature and um you know it what it does and uh it looks like a silverfish and uh yeah they also have a conversation before this point too where she tries to like she like assumes he's been on like a seven-year drug bender right like he just like yeah um she's like i get it we can rap about yeah. this stuff and then he's yeah he's like uh well no i made a i made a trade with the the insect who lives in the walls of the tunnel so it's not really the same <laughs> but yeah right. so that's like earlier i i only mentioned that cuz i do like the the beat after that where like she, Callie goes into daniel and trisha's bedroom to have that conversation and then trisha comes in in sort of like mm -hmm. a bachelor-esque beat and is like hey do you mind if i steal him for a second no she's it's not like that 
it's not like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But she is just like, can we talk for a minute? And she just completely breaks down. And he like, she's like trying to basically be like, where the fuck have you been? But it's like such a big yeah. question. You know, it's like such a big right. life event that she can't even like, she doesn't know where to start. And as she's trying to talk, like figure out what to even say to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of looks at her and then like looks at her, her stomach and like seems to realize for the first time in the day that he's been home, right? Like that she's, yeah. Pregnant. Cause yeah. he's so fucking out of it. And he's like, you're, and he doesn't even look mad. He's mm-hmm. just like, he's like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. and she, that is just like the breaking point where she's like, don't even, don't you dare. Right. And, yeah, you you can't say yeah, anything. And she's here. like screaming and crying and they hug or whatever and it's just like that I think is just like kind of an important lead into her conversation with Mallory later where it's like that's what she's bringing into, right? It, yes. the, the conversation is that much more pointed because she's really going through it and we right. see it. But yeah, so um the bug. <laughs> the bug's here. Yeah, so bug's here. Bug's here. Uh, Daniel tells Callie uh, that they're, uh, that the monster or whatever is in one of the walls in the bedroom and that's he can't sleep in there. And Callie is like, uh, Trisha, your <laughs> husband is in my yeah. room. <laughs> like that kind of thing. And he keeps saying, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's out there. <laughs> yeah, you could say it's it, out there. Yeah. And Callie is like, yeah, just assumes that he's like crazy or whatever. And then like, the way that it's framed and like the sound design or whatever, you hear like a like a thing scuttle across like the background, yep. and Callie sees it and she's like, "What the?" F-? And then you know, there's that one shot sort of break loose. I forget if it's here or when Trisha goes missing, but the shot where you basically just see like the shadow, like it's like the very top of it or something. And it's just like a blur, like yeah. a black blur across the very bottom of the screen. I was like, "Ooh, yeah. boy, that's good stuff." That was really good. Yeah, I'm, I think, yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, obviously this is a very low budget film. One of the, uh, you know, one of the strengths here is is how much we don't actually see what the monster is. We only see like little bits and pieces, mm-hmm. which smart move. If you don't have the budget to show it, don't show uh, it. Or if you do, honestly, I just think this is uh, well, it's so course. much more unsettling. It's more effective. Yeah. yeah. And just so. You know, the bug is like in the house and um, what we come to find out is that it grabs Daniel and you see like it Daniel being like dragged away and he's like trying to grab onto yeah. things and like hold on to and, and he just and the, you know, well, the way it's shown too is through like because we don't we don't really see that in real time. Right. That's. Kelly right. goes. It is when she's recalling everything to the cops later. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. This also feels like a Flanagan thing. Like this is a trick he really likes. Where like we'll have those flashbacks, but they're just visual. Like yeah. they're silent. Which mm-hmm. again, I feel like is so. Like that just feels. I don't know the way things just sort of come to you. It feels very true. Like psychologically, true. Sure. Um, and then also the way that like there's not much of a struggle where the like the people are not fighting a bug or anything. They're like hanging yeah. on, but they're not. It, it's almost like they're being pulled by like 
a truck or something where there's so much force pulling them that there's no sense mm-hmm. in even like trying to like flex against it. Right. It's just like they right. don't they don't pull back against it. They just hang on to the banister or whatever for as long as possible until their grip gives yeah. out or whatever. And then they just kind of like it's not it's also not like the kind of thing where they go like flying out of frame. They're just like slowly dragged away. Yes. And I mean, yeah. Oh, it's good. What a good yeah. idea. I I think so it is a good idea. I I agree. Um what one of the things I really like too since so you know, all of this happens, right? And then um uh once once Trish and Mallory are done with their conversation or whatever, they're standing outside and and Trish goes to turn and go walk back into the house, but the uh, the door is open, and she calls back for for Mallory, and he, you know they they go check it out, and the house looks like it's been destroyed, like everything, all the furniture is like flipped over and shit, and um, they look back outside, and Callie is running towards the house from the tunnel, screaming like he disappeared, he disappeared. Yeah. Then when he when she tells the cops what happened, right? She says that he was dragged away by this thing, and she does, you know, he just disappeared. And later, well, the cops see that like her eyes are all like fucked up, like she's on drugs. Yeah. Um. And it, it, later on, when Callie is, and Trish are talking, right, and, and like. Callie is like, I don't believe you. You, you know, your eyes are all fucked up. I, you know, here's like the lunchbox filled with drugs. Yeah. Like, you know, like fucking. What do you? I found your bento box of about heroin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 then Callie says, like, okay, fine. Say everything I just said is like a lie, and I just made it all up from whatever. What is the alternative? Like, he's still gone. Uh. And then, like, Trish sort of plays back a version of what could have happened, where, like, Daniel saw her and Mallory in the car talking. Uh, He got enraged and, like, flipped all the furniture over. And, you know, he just just walked off. He, you know, left because of Trish. Right? Um, Which, again, like, because the, you know, because... We see what happened, what really happened from Cal, uh, yeah, Callie's perspective, and then we see what a version that Trish thinks is possible. I don't know. I like the way that it they they work together. You know, one is maybe real, one is not, but we don't really. There are no you know solid answers at this. Right. Point. It's all sort of interpretation. I mean, there's no solid answers at any point, which I think is it, it sure. can be. That can be a knock against something, but I think th- this is a movie with themes, baby. We got themes in this thing. There are some There's themes. a bit of themes happening here, and we get like a similar sort of thing happening with Mallory and Lonergan later, mm. where they're each like recounting what they think could have happened, like based on what they know. And that's yeah. what the whole movie's about, right? It's like mm-hmm. the, how do you how you fill in these gaps, um, right? Yeah, it's it's good. But Callie also, um, this is kind of around the time that she goes on her detective spree, right? She starts yeah. googling all these missing persons in the area, 
and like the sort of similar circumstances where she finds like records of people being, they say when they reemerge, they're like, I was taken underneath. Yes. And even though the tunnel hasn't always been there, there used to be a footbridge where similar weird shit would happen. Right. People would disappear. Yada, yada. What have you. Um, uh, and yeah. she's, Trisha's kind of like very dubious of all of this. And Kelly's like, dark matter. Every culture has its own version of this myth. And also it could be, yeah. it could be dark matter. <laughs> right. It yeah. could be dark. Right. There, there are so many things that we don't understand. She all does say the W word. What, what W Wendigo. word? Oh, she does. She does bring Wendigo. up the Wendigo. <laughs> you, you're a Wendigo guy, right? I'm, I'm kind of Wendigo neutral, but I do think yeah. it's like, such a weirdly like the Wendigo I feel like has had a moment a 20 year moment I don't know it just seems like the Wendigo is like that's like Wendigo is so hot right so now. fucking hot the Jacob Alordi of, <laughs> of, of mythical of beasts cryptozoological entities no it's really just like um I feel like that's the go-to when you're like I want to reference like some old world myth yeah. Um, but I, mean, I don't want to, I want to, I want to dazzle people with how much research I did. Wendigo does sort of feel like, uh, at least the way that I've seen it portrayed sort of this catch all for like cryptid yeah. uh, sort of things like a skinwalker could be a Wendigo. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's like, cause, um, the outsider is a Wendigo, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go. There, there you Wendigo. All right. This and this is to be clear: the monster in this is not supposed to be a Wendigo. This is some other horrible thing. Yes. Um, it's pretty horrible, I gotta say. It seems bad. It does seem very hard. We we see like little spindly sort of like fingers and legs and things like that. We never, like I said, never get a full yeah body shot of the monster it's funny creepy it's enough. funny that daniel says it has skin like a silverfish because it's kind of a huge silverfish right <laughs> it is a huge um, silverfish we do also get callie yeah. spotting a silverfish in the sink that one time and right. i love how because there's also that x-files episode with the silverfish i don't remember that oh one. trust me um it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really it's not worth getting into, but like, yeah. um, just like, I, and I, I did like do a little refresh on the plot. Cause I was like, what is that? Is that like, is there a similar mythology happening here? Right. Like, is there something about mm -hmm. the biology of those animals that like draws people to them? And no, yeah. it's just like they're gross little guys who live like in the pipes and shit. And it's just like, I mean, they are gross. They are guys. disgusting. Um, but yeah, I think just like the, sort of underneath quality of them where it's like, if you go down a level, you will see those yeah, yeah, gross yeah. guys. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, so the next day, um, there's a big, uh, a big hubbub outside by the tunnel. A lot of people, there's some cops and, um, I think, uh, Oh yeah. The detective shows up, to um the house and uh, mallory he shows up to the house and he's asking for callie so callie can identify uh, a body and 
you know, he gets Trisha and Trisha runs out to the tunnel and we see uh, it's Doug Jones and he he's in even worse shape than before. Uh, he's in a worse shape, not <laughs> a, not a straight up and down man, no, but sort a, of a twisted into a knot guy. Yeah, sort of like uh, like he was crumpled up, mm. <laughs> and uh, and then we see his son Jamie, and uh, walking towards the tunnel with a garbage bag again, and then they then he sees you know he sees his father all dead, and he starts crying <laughs> so all dead like all dead like, and the cops they like. You know, they they take him and then they open up the bag and there's like a little puppy in the bag. And and, you know, when they're interrogating him and they're like, listen, man, we're going to ask your neighbors like about you. And are they going to tell us that you're a good guy or not? Basically, can I ask, did you laugh when the live dog came out? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's funny that it's alive and in in perfect condition. It's just like being a cute little. Yeah, it's just a cute little yeah, it's puppy. Just wagging its tail, little little like a is that like a Bichon Frise or whatever? Is that the one I'm thinking yeah, of? It, or no, like right. a terrier, the, little terrier. The the dog probably weighs all of like seven yeah. pounds, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's very small. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. This whole bit, I mean, just the idea of having to feed pets to this tunnel is oof. No, thank mm. you. Um, but like, so again, I love this. I do just conceptually. I love like, well, what happens to these, to missing pets and missing people? Right. That's a cool, yeah. Cool idea. Okay. Sorry. Go on. (laughs) That's not really. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. We can talk about it. I think it's cool. I think when it's happening, it's cool. It's cool to think about. Okay. And furthermore, right. <laughs> <laughs> so later on that night, um, Callie and Trish, um, they are they're sort of bonding and like, you know, having like a sister moment and they're in the living room, and which is different from they, a brother moment, which is what happens in uh, what's that movie called? Autofocus or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's Autofocus. a brother moment. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Callie's hogging the couch, but different than what we're talking about here. Um, in the couch. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so uh, uh, they're, they're like going to go upstairs, go to bed. They turn off the lights and then they hear like a noise in the darkness. A little. And uh, OK, real quick. The noise that the uh, the creature makes it. I think that sound effect is from the thing. Uh, the John Carpenter. Really? Okay. I yeah. I didn't I, make that connection, but I, I love what I'm hearing. I I think so. I, I would have to hear them like sort of side by side, but it like, I don't know why it sounded familiar. I've seen the thing, I don't know, 50, 100 times yeah, now. Yeah, a couple times. And a couple times. But like, I don't know, something about it really just like stuck out with me. And I, I think that's where it's from. But it seems like the kind of thing you could like plausibly reuse like, like steal without anyone noticing yeah yeah right totally um and if you're going to steal steal from the absolutely. best absolutely right? absolutely and i will uh, note also that there is a character in this movie named dr carpenter 
That's the, what? The, uh, I don't think that's the psychiatrist. I think that's someone else, but yeah. So what do you make of that? I mean, probably Carpenter might be one of his guys. Hmm. He's mm. kind of everybody's guy. Yeah, I know. He is kind of everybody's guy now, isn't yeah. he? Were you going to go, mm. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, this is a so, segment we're uh, calling Ozfest. <laughs> Frank <Yeah>. Oz. <laughs> yep. Where we just put like a big bubble in our throats and talk a little bit. Uh, so in the dark, they hear the noise. They're standing like on the stairs, right? Uh, Callie is a little higher up on the stairs. Trisha's ground floor. And... I, I did like this shot a lot where Incredible. it's just like. Incredible. It was real yeah, good. It, yeah. It, we see like Trish, it, it, the way that it's shot, the framed up is like complete darkness except for Trish who's like framed in the left side of the screen and like from the back. And you sort of see her and the, the, the camera sort of pushes in and slowly she disappears from it. And it's just like just this blackness. Yes. And it goes and, on. And, it lingers. Oh there. man, yeah. truly! Like and I'm I, not good with yeah. jump scares. Generally, I, it should be said. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a big baby. This sure. was agonizing to me. This yeah. is like a I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is like a Go pretend ahead. to check your phone situation. <laughs> well, there's nothing happening on screen. I better look <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> um, yes, it it lasts for a really long time. Uh, and that the the jump scare itself is not. I don't think it's, a, you know, no, scary. not at all. It's haunted house. It's like a rubber. Feels like a rubber spider yes. getting thrown at the screen. Exactly. But the anticipation. That's that's where you know the good mm. stuff is. The edging, as it mm. were. Um, couch hog. So yeah, couch hog. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, again, um, uh, Callie, she goes to the police station and she gives a report and tells the story in, uh, like whatever flashback. And then we see what happens the same way that we did before where, uh, now Trisha was dragged away and dragged into the tunnel by this thing. Right now she's disappeared. Um, she gives us report the de- both detectives, Mallory and Lonigan. Uh, are like, all right, great story. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Um, um and, uh, I think Lonergan's like, you're not planning on going out of town or, or no, that's earlier. Right. And right. She's like, no, <laughs> uh, no. Is I, that this now. part? Uh, yeah. That where he's like, well, at this point you're only like a person of interest. So just don't make any plans on leaving town. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not going yeah. anywhere. Um, so, so after, yeah, he drives her back. Yeah. Um, and she gets out of the car. She's staring at the tunnel. She's thinking about that tunnel. Mm. That fucking tunnel. And she goes, fucking goes tunnel. inside, takes all of her findings, her research, yeah. puts in a big manila envelope with uh, the copy of Three Billy Goats Gruff. Three Belly Goats yeah. Gruff. That uh, she's given a, she was going to give to Trisha. Mm-hmm. Close up that manila envelope, writes Mallory's name on it. 
<laughs> yeah, and then she walks into the tunnel, and she's standing like halfway in, and then she she just she starts yelling uh, trade, yeah. like she, as if it, like it, I you know it seems like she wants to trade herself for her sister. That's what I'm right? hearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like all this stuff about trading early on to, I think we maybe forgot to mention that, uh, Jamie is like, um, right. Because like there's the pile of stuff outside the tunnel. And when he's like, Oh, you shouldn't, uh, shouldn't leave the sandwiches there or whatever. She comes back later yeah pile of trinkets or whatever that she takes and puts back in the tunnel be like, I don't want anything for the sandwiches. Right. He's like, you shouldn't have done that. It fixates. Yes. Um, And it just likes making little trades. What can you say? Right. It's, it, it is, I guess, is that the Billy goats gruff thing? Is that the, you have to trade with the fucking, uh, the, the troll. Is that the troll toll? Absolutely. Should have looked this up, but yeah, let's see. Let's see. It's it has to be right. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the fucking story. Three Billy goes so, rough. Let's talk. So about it. basically, what happens? So what happens is uh, a goat. It's the three goats. Little goat shows up. There's middle or little middle and big goat. Little goat mm. shows up and the troll's like, I'm going to fucking eat your ass. And the goat's like, you should, he's like, that would be good for you, but you should wait for my brother, middle goat to show up. Cause he's bigger than me. Right. He's so much yeah, bigger. And he'll be even yeah. more delicious. Then medium goat does that and does the same move. And then the big one comes and just absolutely kicks his ass. <laughs> uh, you should wait for my brother to get here. He's like so much yeah. bigger and he, he would be a bunch bigger yes. meal for you. And the troll's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to eat this big yeah. brother. He sounds so big. <laughs> but the, so it's like it's like playing with that idea. But it's like this other thing where you can't really negotiate with it. You can like the yeah. trade is just like a bargain to buy yourself a moment, if anything. And then I right. That's what it seems yeah. like. Like, right. The thing let Daniel go maybe based on yeah. a trade or feels something. more like the like, frog in the scorpion. Right. Yeah. It's like, baby, I'm a, I'm a scorpion. I'm going to sting your ass, bitch. You yeah. little biatch. I'm going to sting your ass. I'm the scorpion biatch. <laughs> so, uh, so Callie's in there scre- yelling trade and, um, she starts hearing, um, like voices and seeing like, uh, like hands like on yeah. the walls and stuff. When the walls get elastic, that's bad news. It is bad news. That's at like Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, yeah. when like Freddy like pushes his face through the wall. It looks terrible. Amazing. I mean, amazing. So, um, yeah, but <laughs> you hear like a bunch of different people yelling. Like you're yeah. at the, you're hearing like a little portal to hell kind of. You ever see? <laughs> this is like an old internet thing where someone will be like, "We were we found actual audio of hell," and sure. it's just like Drew's spooky sound effects CD that they buy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Whoa, they have yeah, rattling yeah. chains in hell? <laughs> so they have a black cat yowling in hell? <laughs> um, so you hear all that. It sounds so windy <laughs> in hell. <laughs> this was a kind of thing where I'm like, I'm like the, the actual sound design. I'm like not impressed, but I love the idea a lot. Sure. Um, so there we get some like quick cuts, some like flickering lights. And then. And then what? There's happens? a little pile on the ground, and a pile of what? Fetus. 
Yeah. And this might it's, be where the Catholicism comes back into play. Yeah. Uh, Mike Flanagan going pro-life. It's like this is, he's he's specific there's a title card that pops up and says this is as great a tragedy as the death of the mother, if not more so. Because <laughs> right. of the unrealized potential. Sure. And then in the middle of the credits at the end it says, "I thought of another thing." No, it doesn't. <laughs> No, but it, it doesn't really. It I don't actually think it carries uh, pro life subtext. Not like that other. No. Uh, not like freaking Eraserhead, which is the most pro life movie I've ever seen. All of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's super it's pro life. So if there's one thing Eraserhead seems to value, it's the experience yeah. of being alive. It seems to think that's just <laughs> yes. aces. Yeah, um, the yeah the tragedy of a razor head is that uh, the baby does not get to grow up and live in the same yeah hellish world doesn't get to live in an H.R. Giger painting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, there is um, a we never get like a close up shot of it again. I think very smart on Flanagan's uh, part here, um, but we see like it's like this bloody thing and. You can make out like parts of it, and you're know, like, oh yeah. boy, looks like a yeah. A baby it's uh, it's out of focus the whole time. It's just yeah, yeah. Somebody should have hit autofocus on that. Anyway, you're you're licking your lips over there. You wanna you wanna see that thing? You're plopped down on the couch. You wanna see that thing? <laughs> so, uh, Callie sees that. She obviously it's very upsetting to see. And then she looks, uh, she looks both ways, and then she takes off running to the uh, the edge of the the tunnel. Right, running as fast as she can to try and get out of the tunnel. She makes it right to the exit, and then um, I like this: the shot from outside the tunnel. We just see a shoe, sort of like uh, like fall out of the mm. tunnel, like roll out of the yes, tunnel, yes. as if to say she was snatched up and. Her shoe fell off, you know, and and yeah, that's from there. Like Detective Mallory, he like, you know, he looks into it a little further. He starts putting up flyers of his own, um, which I thought this part was funny. Just the shot of him like in a hoodie and like what looked like pajama pants or something, like just walking around the neighborhood, hanging up like you don't look like a serious person right now. Where's your big suit? Yeah, where's your big leather yeah. jacket and <laughs> your wrap around Oakleys? Um, so yeah. then we get that conversation of him and Lonergan. Yeah. Where he's like, he's basically just like rationalizing the whole thing and Lonergan's sort of like trying to help him, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mallory's like remembering a conversation where Trisha said she used to go camping all the time. He's like, she could live off the land. Like she knows how to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Lonergan's like, that could be what happened. And Mallory sort of laughs. He's like, no, that's not what, ha-. like, he's just like, come on, be real. Like they're not, they didn't run away. They're not like living well together off the land. Like they're like, right. whatever happened yeah. is horrible. And yeah. yeah. So um, as Mallory's putting up flyers, he like goes to the tunnel and you 
see, he sees someone standing in the entryway of the tunnel, and it looks like Callie. And then mm-hmm. when, by the time he gets up there, she's gone. But then we cut back to uh, that perspective from within the tunnel of mm-hmm. Mallory walking away, and we see, and it's an it's over Callie's shoulder, and you just see like little legs sort of like wrap up around her. Yeah, and that's it. That's our movie. That's the movie. Um, yeah, pretty good. I like. I, I'm glad I watched it. Probably not going to watch it again. Not like. I think you might be a little hotter on this than me. Um, it's um, but it's good. It is like as far as you know, like first films and like this kind of a thing. Uh, it's very well done. I think. You know, I. I feel roughly the same. I think watching it, like, I don't know. It's not, <laughs> the experience of watching it is not as satisfying as the experience of talking about it is kind of what I would say. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Apart from the um, couple shots we talked about, like, right, the shot of them on the staircase and then the sort of, like, zoom into just the pitch black Stuff like that, and then like the the edit stuff we talked about, which we're gonna see more of, I think, as we watch these movies. Like the the recalling yeah. of memories without sound. I think that's just mm-hmm. so good and simple and effective. Um, little flourishes like that, but like yeah, to your point, it's very much a first film. Yeah, uh, or you know, technically one of his first, but um, it's yeah. I, I like I like the ideas it's playing around with. And if there's one thing we can say for sure about Michael Flanagan, <laughs> Michael J. Flanagan, yeah. it's that he's an ideas guy. He's he an ideas loves guy. his ideas. He does. Thoughts and ideas was <laughs> um, I'm going to propose a segment right now. OK, I think we should have. We should do a Catholicism assessment. How Catholic was this movie? Ah, okay. All right. So points in his favor. One, the cross. Yes, the cross, of course. There's uh, also Callie talks about, I forget the name of the, like the idea of like a tortured soul or whatever the hell, right? She talks about like, Mm. Some people are just like doomed to suffer more than others, and they have like a yeah. Is it tremendous victim soul? I think it was victim like soul. Is real bleak shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's like basically like you suffer more on earth. Like God just like sort of anoints people to suffer, and then their reward in heaven is tremendous. Sure. Um, cool. <laughs> Very cool. reassuring. Thank you. So that that's some Catholic <laughs> right. points. Um. That's kind of it, though. It's not that Catholic. Not super Catholic. It, no. it does imply the existence of a hell, which is very Catholic. Sure. But it's a living hell, which is less Catholic. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, Catholic score yeah. on a scale of, we should use a biblical number, mm. 12, 9. Oh, like yeah, the or three. Let's do out of three, right? The Holy, the holy T. Holy trend. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, out of three, I give it a, I give it a, a one, one out of three. Yeah. One out of three Catholic yeah. score. Um, yeah. I, oh my God. Our pre, all the priests that listen to this show must be 
so mad right now. All those priests hogging couches. Oh, jeez. <laughs> right, let's not. Let's not do that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't want to offend. <laughs> do we do second? Do we do like a shining moment? Do we do? No. We don't do that shit. We don't do that shit. I think here. we should do shining moment if there's audio of Henry Thomas in Doctor Sleep saying "Danny." But <laughs> Damn. yeah, exactly. Um. um I, I don't know. It, do you, I mean, do you want to do like, uh, oh, that hurts? No, no, we, don't, we can't. It's over. It's we need much. new. It's too. We need new segments. Yeah. This this series of Flanagan movies, it's also a transition for us. We're, we're trying to get out of old habits and form new That's ones. That's right. New good habits. Yes. There's no, hey, where was Slimer in this? Who cares? I don't. Was he there? Was he not? I don't know. I don't think of. We're not going to talk about think that. about him at all anymore. No, I don't. I honestly, until you said his name, I kind of forgot he even existed. Yeah. Did you see the Slimer? Yes. In the yes. Busters. <laughs> yeah, I saw him in the attic. He looks huge. I can't wait. Nah. Yeah. What has this guy been eating? Hot dogs in in the afterlife? He looks so oh, big. Man. He. I think we've talked about this, but. Joey Chestnut, <laughs> we've de- I know we talked about competitive eating recently, but this specific yeah. detail where Joey Chestnut said that after he does the hot dog competition, he sweats mm-hmm. like oily hot dog smell. And like he Ugh. said, my sweat is oily and it smells terrible. <laughs> That's disgusting. I know. So he's like That's a so human bad. slimer, but he's not in this movie. I wish I'll tell you why I <laughs> yeah. wish. Where was Joey where was Chestnut? Ch- That's our new segment. <laughs> Doug Jones kind of has the Joey Chestnut build, which is thinner than you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish Joey Chestnut would get whisked away to the absentia realm. He's so (laughs) gross. Yeah, he's gross. Uh, Joey Chestnut was on a season of Amazing Race, um, which came in last place because he kept passing hot dog stands. (laughs) Yeah, he had to Mm, stop. Stop and eat all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did okay, but he he didn't make it into like the top three mm. or anything like that because there were no eating contests right. involved. If there was an eating contest, the guy would crush. He but. like Liam Neeson has a very specific set of skills. <laughs> exactly. You um, want to give this? You want to give this a letterboxed rating and review? Okay. Yes. Yes. So we're gonna be right moving forward. <laughs> we're, we're we're stepping away from the IMDb. And we are only doing letterboxed reviews. That's right. We're cinephiles now. We That's are, right. We are movie buffs. So I have my review prepared. Uh, Would you like right. to hear it? It's Please. short. I didn't do much. Just a couple sentences. I said, this shit pissed me off. <laughs> it it this movie ruined the got my ass kicked by a silverfish excuse alibi for when my wife asks where I've been the past seven years. Oh my god, that's good. Three out of five stars or three point five out of five stars. Oh, you gave it three point five. Yeah, huh? yeah. It's a, again, I give it probably three three stars for uh, ideas, point five for execution. Mm. Just kidding. It's All better right. than that, but I three point five out of five. I'm sticking with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, 
I mean, if like my review of this is, you know, should have moved out of Glendale. (laughs) 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 Period. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You hate to see it, you know, should have moved out of Glendale. You want you hate to see it in there as well? Or? Okay. No. Should have no, moved out of Glendale. And what, what star rating would you give this out of five? My, I, I gave it three stars. Um, like I said, you're a little bit hotter on it than I am. Barely. Um, by half a star, though. No, I thought, it. like I said, it's good, like, first film. Uh, I like the, you know, he's playing with ideas. He's using the sort of uh, limitations uh uh, you know, the budget restrictions, uh, I think, to his advantage. You know, he gets creative with that. Solid effort. Just not like, like you said, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch this one yep. again. Yep. I'm with you. So three or three and a half. Who gives it? Who gives a shit? Why do I care? <laughs> I think in this. we You, you could say three and a half. No, That's let's fine. say three. I, I think we should always round down. I was just going to say we should always round up. Oh, my God. Is there anything we could ever agree yeah, on? You, you, say, <laughs> you say round up. I say round down. You say three. I say three and a half. It's crazy. All Man. right. Let's, let's round up. I want to. I think it's nice that you want to do that. So let's do it. <laughs> I, I think just in general, it's a nicer way to handle other people's projects. Like I want to add one more component to this exercise. Oh, please. You know how there's the like button? I think yeah. that should be like our Paul Hollywood handshake. What? I don't know what that is. Oh. Paul Hollywood handshake? You know who Paul Hollywood is? No. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny that I don't it's know. It's just funny to hear that name and not know who he is, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the that? judges on the Great British Bake Off. Oh, I okay. I know who this he, guy is. I didn't know his name was Paul. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? <laughs> yeah, That's Paul Hollywood seems like the guy who could de- the only guy who could defeat the Glendale Silverfish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Paul Hollywood. Yeah, he sounds like uh, so- he sounds like a reality show contestant. Yes, he does. You know, he sounds like Joey Chestnut's adversary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but what is the Paul Hollywood when handshake? he's when something's really good, when someone does a really good job? Yeah. He gives them a handshake. It This show, there's no like real comp like there's a winner, but like it's very friendly competition. Yeah. So there's yeah, no yeah. like scoring or anything. But like when so, when okay. he really likes something, he'll give the contestant a handshake. So okay. the, should the like button function as our Paul Hollywood handshake. All right. So you're saying if we actually like, you know, it might only get three stars or something, but also is it pretty? Yeah. Is it like damn good three stars? Right, right, right. Um, Okay. I say. So would you, would you give this? I say no on the grounds that we're both kind of like, I don't need to rewatch this anytime soon. That's maybe that's the thing is is like the like is the, that's like the the rewatch button. The, sure, I'm I, right. I want to. I want. I know I'm going to watch yeah. this again. Like, I think yeah. that's how this should work. Okay, and we both say no. We both say no. Okay, yeah. done Great. deal. Three and a half stars for Absentia. 
And you can follow along with our Letterboxd exploits, even though we say them on the show also at uh, letterboxd.com slash kingmepod. One time someone commented and said, how do I just know Dan wrote this? Uh, And that hurt. (laughs) But I because I did because I did write it. Oh, shit. Do I have a thing? Um, The. I mean, it's fun. You can see our scores before the episodes come out, so that's kind of cool for you. Yeah. Um, you can also, if you liked this somehow, head over yeah. to our Patreon, patreon.com slash kingmepod. You're getting, you're getting our weekly bonus episodes. You're getting the full, unabridged Twin Peaks episodes. And when, when you sign up, you get in our inbox. You say... I'd like to request an episode, an entire bonus episode about the movie of my choosing. We'll say, yes, master. (laughs) You get to pick a movie and we'll do a whole episode about it. $5 a month. You can also uh, do a seven day free trial just to make Mm -hmm. sure you're enthusiastic about it. Yes. That's all cool. Yeah. It's all great stuff. We have a lot of fun over there. Oh, and by the way, there's a link in the show notes. How easy is that? Yeah. You could just press that right yeah. now. Go Don't ahead. overthink it. Go Don't do overthink it. it. Yeah. Did you do it? Did you press that button? You know, Did you? Just kidding. We feel it when you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're going to go sit on the couch and wait for you to press that button. <laughs> All right. Until All right, yeah. next time. Yes. So, right. Uh, Let's see. Next. Well, the next um, Flanagan movie in two weeks, we're going to be doing Oculus Mm. uh, 2013, I believe. And uh, next week, we're going to we're continuing our David Lynch series with The Elephant Man. Very cool. Very cool. We have a we're going to have. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about the Bradley Cooper Elephant Man, obviously. Is there a filmed version of that? No, it's just the play. Well, version. you know, they sometimes but, they film plays. Yeah, yeah. I, we should see if there's like footage from the audience Video? anywhere. Yeah, if I'm yeah. going, look at how ugly I am. It is I me, know. an ugly guy, Bradley uh, Cooper. Uh, yeah, <laughs> an elephant. <laughs> I look like an elephant. <laughs> sorry to t- look. Sorry to talk about uh, blank check on our podcast. But they were just talking about how his whole uh, I w- his <laughs> just yes. listening to his it. whole justification yeah. for not wearing any prosthetics was that he was like, well, my shoulders are kind of uneven and my skull's yeah. a bit of a my- weird shape. If you're, you know, <laughs> hey, so everyone in the back row of the Broadway theater, <laughs> just know that my shoulders are a bit uneven. Right. I'm I'm a, I'm not as symmetrical as other movie stars. <laughs> uh son of a yeah. bitch. All right. Until You're right. until next all right, we're gonna go absentia now. That's right. And until next time. Uh stay Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>